On today's episode of the Teacher's Lounge, we talk with Ashley Benson, and we're talking about student engagement, the importance of having engaged students as it relates to learning and classroom culture. And ultimately, we talked about some of the things that Ashley does in her classroom to create this environment that encourages student engagement. Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge. Uh, today we're with Ashley Benson, and we're going to be talking about student engagement. Um, Ashley is somebody I've, I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while. Um, she's doing some cool things in her classroom around student engagement. And student engagement, I think, um, can look different to different teachers um, on how you reach an optimal level of student engagement, right? There's books written on it. There's podcasts, videos, blogs, um, all centered around this very important topic of student engagement. Um, but I think first things first, Ashley, when you think of this topic, when you think of student engagement, what does that look like to you? When I think about student engagement, um, you can't do anything with your kids. You're not going to get anywhere if you don't have relationships. So you know, you did a podcast on this with um, another teacher, relationships, you're going to hear from all of us that it, they're number one. Um, so just knowing your kids and when you know your kids um, and you can incorporate things that they like and they care about, um, you're going to get students who want to listen, who want to interact and engage. Um, and so I think when I think about what that looks like in the classroom is, um, Students who want to participate um, and who are motivated and excited to be there. I do a lot of movements in my classroom. I like to um, I like to make things catch. So I'll do a lot of hand movements and a lot of um, like catchy like rhymes and songs and things like that. Um, so to see them and hear them doing those things, I think that's you know um, what you see when you see students who are engaged. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you was you had one of the greatest lines I've ever heard about student engagement. Um, it was simply when students come into my classroom, I have to be cooler than the distractions that are around them. Um, that was something that really resonated with me. And one of the things I wanted to talk with you a little deeper on, when you say that, when you say you have to be cooler than what's going around them, what does that mean? I was, I was always thinking about, okay, when kids are at home, they're on their computers, they're on their video games, they're um, watching movies, everything right now is super like, um, they're getting that instant gratification. You mm -hmm. know, when you think about video games and you think about everything they're watching and doing. So when they come to school, um, you know, that they, they're not always getting that. There's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of, you know, listening and things like that. So I kind of put in my mind, I have to be more interesting and more exciting than those video games or else I'm not going to get them, you know, engaged and excited. So I just, over the years, just realized when I come in, um, pretty much act, I, I sometimes think I'm more of an actress than I am a teacher. <laughs> I'm like, I just up there acting. I don't even know where it comes from sometimes. Um, I just, I get way more out of them. So, um, I think one thing too, um, starting out and then where I am now, one thing I've really had to do is get out of my comfort zone. So just pushing myself and getting myself out of my comfort zone, really, it pays off in the end. How important is it getting out of your comfort zone and having a willingness to try new things in the classrooms when it comes to student engagement? 
you're not going to get much out of your students if you're not willing to try new things. So, um, you know, I, one thing that I um, am constantly doing and trying to do is learn more. And, um, you know, I like to go to PDs. I like to read books on, you know, anything I can do to make my teaching better. Um, and so a lot of times when I go to PDs or when I'm listening to other teachers, um, and, and, and rightfully so, I hear a lot, like, I don't think my kids can do that, or I don't think um, I could get my kids to do that, whatever it is. Um, you know, like maybe using a certain technology or um, a certain group game or something that just seems like you're going to have to have a lot of management to get them to do that classroom management. So I, I just want, I don't know when it happened, but I was just like, I'm willing to try anything with my kids because I truly believe that when you try different things, you're going to, you're going to surprise yourself and your kids are going to surprise you. So, um, I, I've noticed too, when, when I tell my kids, like, this is something new I've never done before with any class, they're really excited about it too. Cause they're like, Ooh, okay. You know, I get to be the first to do it. So, um, I just, I think you just, you have to put yourself out there. You have to try new things and usually it pays off. That's what I found. And getting out of your comfort zone and trying new things is one thing. Um, but how do you handle when, you know, you're trying something new in the classroom, you're, you know, you're, you're singing, you're dancing, you're trying different things to get your students engaged, but it doesn't work. How important is that to not give up on the process, not, you know, stopping this, this pursuit of student engagement? How important is it to kind of plow through these misses until you finally get it dialed in with your classroom that this works for student engagement and this, you know, we tried it and it doesn't work. Yeah. And sometimes that's what it takes too, is trying something out and being like, this isn't working, you know, and it's, and that's okay. Um, don't let that discourage you because not everything is going to work. Um, and I think it's a good learning opportunity for your students too, to show them that sometimes you don't have it all figured out either, you know, so it's a good learning opportunity for them. So in that same vein of, you know, using, um, potential failures and feedback, um, as a learning opportunity and encouraging dialogue, um, you know, you mentioned it's, you know, if you try something new in the classroom and it, it just doesn't work, it, you know, it shows your students that's, that's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to try something and fail. It's okay to have, you know, differing opinions on stuff. You do something in your classroom that's really cool. Um, you know, I've been, I've done a lot of videos and podcasts and blogs with different teachers. And this is the first time I've heard of this game. It's called the thumbs up, thumbs down game. What is the thumbs up, thumbs down game? And how does that kind of play into this strategy of creating student engagement in your classroom? So thumbs up, thumbs down um, kind of leads into students evaluating each other. So one thing, another thing that just um, I've been trying to do more as I've um, gained more experience is putting more on the students. Um, and kind of, um, you know, making my lessons less teacher-led and more student-led, because um, I think they get more out of that, especially when you think about student engagement. They're going to be more engaged when they're more involved. Um, so what I like to do, um, and I do it with every subject, I do it with reading, math, science, whatever. Um, I have them 
evaluate each other. So I'll ask a question, um, you know, how do you think the character's feeling? And I'll ask them to answer. So someone will answer and then I'll say, who wants to evaluate so-and-so? Um, and so I'll look for a thumbs up or thumbs down. So if they agree, they put thumbs up. If they agree with what the student said, if they disagree, they put thumbs down. Um, and I think something important to just say um, off the bat is that when I start my school year off, um, I make it a huge deal that it is okay to disagree with someone else. Um, and I think that's an important lesson for students to know just in life that we're not always going to agree and that's okay. Um, so I like to teach them how to disagree in a respectful way. Um, so I like to call on students who have their thumbs down because it kind of gives them that opportunity to um, evaluate each other in a really like thoughtful way. So um, they have to say, I disagree with you because, and then they, they have to give their answer. Um, and then I'll call on other students too, just to kind of like go back and forth. And so we can come to um, a final answer. And sometimes, you know, we learn that there isn't just one answer and that's okay too. Um, so I've just found that this has been great for getting them involved, get it, getting them engaged, um, and just giving them more responsibility within my lessons. Um, you know, when you just ask that first question, how is the character feeling? And you just ask one, one student, you know, what they think, and then you move on, they don't get as much out of that, that conversation if they're not involved in it. So it kind of just opens it up um, to get more of them involved, more of them engaged, and just to make the conversation a little more meaningful too. And to your point, um, you know, from a student engagement level, I, I mean, this is pretty cool that, you know, I just think of myself as, you know, a first grader and first grade Scott in the back of the classroom, the teacher asks a question and every, you know, hands go up and I'm sitting in the back thinking, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. Um, you know, and then the teacher calls on somebody else, they get it right and we move on. Um, but I really like this thumbs up, thumbs down concept in the sense that you're putting the onus on the students. Not only do you want them to think about what answer is right or wrong, but if they disagree, why do they disagree? Um, you know, how can you respectfully offer a different opinion of why you think the answer is different? And from a student engagement standpoint, that is so powerful um, and so much more impactful when you compare it to, you know, what's four plus two hands go up Tommy and, you know, he says six and then we kind of move on. But, you know, first grade Scott's in the background, he thinks the answer might be five. Why do you think it's five? Um, is this something that you came up with? Is this something you saw other teachers doing? How, how did heads up, or thumbs up, thumbs down, kind of make its way into Ashley Benson's classroom? A couple years ago, um, NHA rolled out the new read aloud model. Um, we're doing more of a balanced literacy model. Um, and so within the read aloud lessons, um, they would ask us to have students evaluate each other. Um, and so my mind kind of went right where yours went when you said these are first graders. Like, how does that happen? Um, and so that was one of those things where I was like, okay, Ashley, got to get out of your comfort zone. You know, like they can do it. You just have to teach them how. So, um, I just, that's when I was like, okay, where does this have to start? Well, it has to start with, they need to know that it's okay to disagree. They need to know that it's okay to agree and that 
there might not be one right answer. I think that's a big lesson out of this, um, this practice too, is that um, they learn that there might not be one answer um, and that's okay. So yeah, I kind of adapted it from the read aloud um, lessons that they gave us. But what I did was I've taken it and I put it into like every, I, I use it in almost every lesson. Um, and so they're so used to it now and they are, you know, it's, I don't have to say much, which is pretty cool too. Is there a learning curve that comes with this? Um, I mean, I just think about, you know, if first grader X disagrees with first grader Y, even if it is under the umbrella of thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, they're still in first grade. They're still students. Is this something that you kind of have to build them up and create this environment that, you know, respectfully disagreeing and engaging that that's something that's encouraged in this class? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I don't start, you know, day one with this. So my whole first month is just classroom culture and making sure that I'm building um, an environment where students feel safe, feel, students feel accepted and, you know, that that they can, you know, say what they, what's on their mind. Um, so I don't start this right away just because I think that you need that foundation first um, to where they even feel comfortable enough to do that. You've mentioned a couple different times um, student ownership, and I'm kind of curious about under the umbrella of student engagement, um, kind of empowering your students to have dialogue with each other about, you know, differing answers or differing viewpoints. And this concept of student engagement, um, when they're in their classroom, does it for them kind of feel like it's their classroom and not necessarily Mrs. Benson's? I do. I think so. And that's, I think that's something that I always have in the back of my mind. And I even try to use that language with them. Like this is our class. You know, I really don't think I've ever said this in my class. So that it's just it seems weird to say. So I agree with you. I, I, I remember being in school and um, it didn't feel that way. And so I think that, um, I think most of us teachers have taken what experiences we had as students and, you know, done things that are the opposite of that, if they were bad experiences or, you know, match those experiences, they were good. Um, and when I think about like, when you brought up ownership to, um, kids, you know, they, they want to feel that they have, um, a say and they have choice mm. and they have, um, like you said, ownership in the classroom. I've noticed, especially with, um, students who, whose school is not their favorite place, right? They're just the reality that some students just school is not, they, whether they had a bad experience the year before, whatever it is, I have found that when I give those students choice, um, it goes such a, a long way. So when I, when I say choice, I mean like, as simple as, do you want to use a pen or a pencil? And it's like, oh my gosh, I can use a pen? Um, things like that. Like, do you want to sit on the floor? Do you want to sit on your desk? I give them choices all the time. Um, in this remote model, do you want to type your answer or write your answer? Um, so just finding like little easy ways to give them choice um, and give them that ownership is like, you've just given them a million dollars. You're like so excited. So when I think about student engagement, I just think about what can I do that is so easy for me and so exciting for them. And um, it, like I said, it goes a long way. So that is fascinating. You kind of hit on the um, providing them with 
choices in the classroom. You know, I remember being in school and everything was so structured. A lot of the time it felt like we were just going through the motions, you know, step one, step two, step three, turn it in, step one, step two, step three. And, you know, this concept of giving them choices, even something as simple as pen or pencil, um, for first graders in general, but, you know, for a lot of students, that's got to just, just add another layer to this, this, this feeling of ownership and engagement in the classroom. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, when students feel that they're in an environment where they have choice, they have um, that, that ownership and that um, acceptance that you're just, you're going to have a classroom environment that is a positive one. Hmm. One thing I'm kind of curious about is most teachers will tell you that the majority of their classroom is just, you know, going to kind of fall in line. That's just, you know, how they operate. Um, you know, you're the teacher, you're the authoritative figure, you know, when you give instructions, they listen, you know, when you sing, when you dance, whatever you're doing in the classroom, it's something that they're going to respond to. Um, but for those two or three or four students that aren't engaged, do they have an impact on the rest of the classroom? And I guess maybe what I'm asking is, will, you know, the two or three or four or however many students that aren't engaged, can they have a negative impact on the rest of the classroom? You're right. The majority of your class is going to be engaged by your dancing, singing, acting, you know, everything I've said that, you know, I try to do. Um, but you will have those few. And something you said when you started this question was, um, how do those students, the ones that are not engaged, you know, those couple few, um, how does that kind of impact the others? And so, like, it's, it's important that you have 100% of them engaged because I think when you see a couple of them not engaged, it kind of does bring down that, that, you know, culture in your classroom. So, um, that's why, that's why I spend so much time racking my brain, like I said, making sure that I'm getting to all my students. You know, and, and we've hit a, a couple different times on getting out of your comfort zone as a teacher. Is that intimidating? And and part of the reason I ask is, you know, it's 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 called a comfort zone for a reason. Most of us would rather stay in our own little bubble of comfort. Um, but for a teacher, stepping out of your comfort zone means doing it in front of 20, 25, 30 students. Can that be a difficult step to take? I think... Um, it's, it's gotten easier. It's almost like, you know, when you just, it's when you, it's like a habit, when you keep doing something, um, it becomes more natural. So I do find myself, um, doing it more, um, in the classroom and outside of the classroom. I think it's kind of like a, a life lesson too, that, um, and a lesson I like to teach my kids too, that, that, you know, this isn't something that is, normal for Mrs. Benson, but, you know, we're going to try it and we're going to do it. And I think it teaches them too to do that in their own lives. So, um, yeah, it, it was harder when I, when I first started doing things out of my comfort zone, but it's definitely gotten easier. Um, and I still, you know, get nervous about trying new things and, you know, with 31 kids, when you try new things, it's like, oh my gosh, I think the biggest thing with getting out of your comfort zone is knowing it's probably going to fail the first time. And that's okay. Hmm. Um, that the, and sometimes I'll tell my kids that like this might not work. So, but we're gonna do it, and then we're gonna try it again, and then it might work work the second time. 
how important is it being vulnerable with your students? You know, I think, you know, obviously within the realm of student engagement, um, being open with them, you know, telling them, hey, this is something new. Um, you know, you might not like it. This is something we might not, you know, incorporate moving forward. But this, this, this vulnerability and this honesty and this openness, how important of a role does that play within student engagement? It does. And, and usually they, they love it because I am opening it up with, you know, it's okay if you don't. Um, and I think they're just excited that I'm trying something new with them and I'm letting them know that this might not work. I don't know. It just, it, it takes the stress off me, but it also opens them up to be more accepting to trying it. Um, and so, and, and that's a great thing about kids is they, they really are open to try anything. Um, and I think when I tell them, you know, this might not work, it eases pressure off them because you're always going to have students who, who have their own anxieties. You know, I, there's, I have a couple students who'd be like, I, I forget the directions or whatever it is. And just, you know, building that, that environment where they know it's okay. It's okay to not know the directions. You can ask me again, or it's okay if this doesn't work, if you don't know what, what button to press, you know, in this virtual setting it's okay. So I think when I open up with, um, you know, this might not work, this might fail. It just takes away some of that anxiety off of them too. And that's got to feel so cool for them to be, you know, kind of involved in these decisions. Um, you know, for your class specifically, they're first graders. How, you know, how realistically, how many decisions are they ever involved in? Um, but I think if you take that out to a macro level, um, to second grade, third grade, middle school, high school. Um, this concept of giving your students choice and allowing them to make some of these decisions, that's got to feel pretty cool, right? You know, I, you know, earlier we kind of talked about, you know, school can view it, feel very regimented and I'm supposed to do this because that's what I do. And we do step two because it's after step one and we know that step three is next. Um, that's got to feel cool, though. That's got to make them, again, to this student engagement, to this classroom ownership. That's got to just play right into this strategy of making them feel more engaged. And obviously, the more engaged they are, the more they're willing to learn. Yeah. We use polls a lot um, in our classroom. So when I have them in class with me, I like to do this um, stand at one side of the classroom if you did. And that the other side of the classroom, if you didn't, you know, when I'm getting their um, opinions on something in the virtual world, though, we use they have like on Google um, on um, Google Meets, they have polls. So I'll go and I'll write a poll um, to get their opinion on, th on things. We vote on a lot of things. I just I like I like I like I said, I like giving them choices. I think that you just get so much more out of them when they feel ownership. So, you know, I'd like to give them there's two books I want to read to you guys. What would you rather hear? And just put in a poll and let them choose. And when it comes to student engagement, I think that sometimes teachers and maybe, you know, teachers who maybe are more new to the profession feel like they have to like have all the, the bells and the whistles, like everything, like, you know, all these fun crafts and like just painting and everything. And um, sometimes it, it can be more simple. Like I said, just like some things are just giving them choices, pen or pencil, you know, um, it just, what book do you want to read? It could, it 
student engagement can be really simple on you. It doesn't have to take a lot of planning. It doesn't have to take a lot of prepping because we don't have time, you know, I, I know. Um, so just finding ways and things that you can do that don't take a lot out of your own time, but are going to make a big difference for them. So student engagement is obviously something that you, you know, you've put a lot of thought in. You, you know, you, you seem to be very deliberate with, um, if you could go back to day one of teaching, you know, your very first day with your own classroom, what would you tell yourself about student engagement? I would tell myself, breathe, <laughs> take a breath. Um, and, and just, I, I think the, my biggest thing that I've learned is get out of your comfort zone and um and say yes to more things like when when you learn a new um strategy or a new you know something try it just be open to try new things um and you'll surprise yourself and your kids will surprise you too um i think i would tell myself that you know don't take it all so seriously you know just kind of like i said take a breath and um you can do more than you think you can and so can you, your kids well, thank you, Ashley. This is something that, you know, I think student engagement is something that you could ask a hundred different teachers how to do this and probably get a hundred different answers. Um, but the thing that I love about your classroom is it's the student engagement is something that you're very intentional about. It's not something that, you know, you'll, you know, kind of willy nilly try it for a day. And if it doesn't work, it's like, ah, we'll try it again in a couple months. It's something that, you know, you can tell that you've thought a lot about that you've put a lot of effort into. And it's something that, you know, I think you can see pretty evidently in your classroom, you can see the results of this, these efforts. So um, thank you for taking some time to kind of walk us through um, what student engagement looks like in your classroom and, you know, kind of sharing, you know, kind of some of the, the method behind the madness when it comes to building this environment. So thank you.